The Free Trail Podcast is presented by Speedland, the pioneering and innovative footwear brand from Portland, Oregon, founded by industry veteran shoe dogs, Dave Dombrow and Kevin Fallon. Speedland's mission is to create the best equipment for trail runners, period. Premium products, the best materials, small quantities, no cutting corners, and a deep commitment to our sport, trail running, the best sport in the world. A couple products to highlight, the GS Tam, my signature shoe. We still have availability up to size 10, but we've officially blown through inventory in all of the larger sizes and they're never coming back. So if you want one of the remaining pairs of the GS Tam, you better act fast. We're also still in pre-order for the GS PGH. It is still ongoing. The Cam Haynes Commission named after his home test piece. Mount Pisgah outside Eugene, Oregon. The GSPGH is like the GS TAM, but with a slightly softer and bouncier midsole compound that provides a super duper plush ride out on the trails. We anticipate fulfilling all pre-orders later in September. So jump on it now. Visit runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 to take advantage of a generous 10% discount. Runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL10. Trail people, welcome back to the Free Trail Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Dylan Bowman, here today with my good friends Tyler Green and Rachel Drake, the husband and wife duo from Portland, Oregon. In addition to being pro athletes for Nike, they're also new parents and just super high quality human beings. They've both been on the show independently in the past, but I thought it would be fun to have them back on together to talk about what has been an action-packed new chapter of their lives. We talk about parenthood, Rachel's postpartum return to running, Tyler's crazy solid season and his podium finishes at Trans Grand Canaria and Western States. We talk about the change in racing style he's implemented, Rachel's progress returning from a stress fracture, Tyler's composure as a person and as an athlete, Rachel's recent race at Sierra Zanol, and we finish by looking ahead to their respective competitions at UTMB and OCC, respectively. Always great to connect with Tyler and Rachel, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you're new to trail running and you're looking for a community to share the journey with, make sure you check out Free Trail Pro, the global community for passionate trail runners around the world. Tons of good people involved, tons of perks, exclusive content, exclusive discounts all for only $96 a year. And if you're looking for a coach, check out Free Trail Experts. We've got a crazy talented group of coaches, nutritionists, strength professionals, and mindset coaches, all ready to help you take your game to the next level. The great thing about using a Free Trail coach is that you also get access to the Free Trail Pro community one-on-one -on -one coaching and a group of friends to gas you up along the way. Find out about both Free Trail Pro and Free Trail Experts over at freetrail.com. There are links here in the show notes. Also in the show notes are links and discount codes for our sponsors. Speedland, Rourke, Gnarly Nutrition, and HVMN. We are super proud to work with such awesome brands whose products I know you'll love and that we are happy to endorse. Take advantage of those great offers. Without further delay, Tyler Green and Rachel Drake. Tyler Green, Rachel Drake, welcome back to the show. Nice to see you both. Good to see you. Yeah, great to see you. 
beautiful evening there in Les Uches. You guys are, of course, there uh, a few weeks ahead of UTMB and OCC. Maybe quickly first tell us about the decision-making to take the family over there for an extended European vacation. It's kind of been a dream for a while. Um, and I would, I would give Rachel a lot of credit for being the one who really pushed for that as well. Um, I don't know. I think I can be a little bit more like, Oh, it's good. I'm being at home's fine. And it's true. It's like, we, we love home as well and miss it to an extent, but also it's great being able to like kind of trim all the other stuff, all the other kind of great distractions, but distractions nonetheless, and just be able to run and, recover and go and do it again. And, um, and in the meantime, hang out with our kid and show him, show him the place as well. So it's great. Yeah. But it is a little bit of a business trip. Rachel, do you have anything to add? I mean, vacation mixed with business. I mean, obviously there, yeah. are, there are goals attached to this little family excursion too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think like it, it's kind of nice because I wanted to do a full golden trail series, which means you have to run three of the races in the series. And it was just a good impetus to come over and stay over rather than taking multiple international trips. Um, and knowing that, that UTMB was a big focus for Tyler. I think it just made a lot of sense to, to make it happen. And I mean, you just never know what's going to happen in life. And if you have the opportunity to do something like that, like, you know, you go and you take it and, hope that you get another opportunity, but you just never know if yeah. that'll come up again. Awesome. Well, it looks like you guys have been having a lot of fun and I want to hear about some of the things you've been up to, but of course you've both been on the show before, but I've sort of introduced a new tradition that I'd like to propose to you both to open things up and reintroduce you both to the free trail listenership. And I figured it would be fun to have you uh, answer for each other, because I think this is a, an interesting new format here, a married couple who are both professional athletes and who share much of, you know, in common, just in terms of like your life path and being new parents and stuff. And obviously you know each other intimately. So asking you the, the traditional opening question of what makes you, you, but Tyler, I'm going to ask you to answer for Rachel. What are her unique personality traits, character traits and, and, you know, like, uh, what, what makes Rachel especially unique as a human being? Yeah, I think it comes down to exuberance and that comes in the form of her running it comes in the form of her medical practice and research that she's done or motherhood. Um, just the excitement that she brings into the world and into others' lives. I mean, people who know her, who are listening to this will be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and that, that is just, yeah, it's something that, that I think sparks other people's excitement about things as well. Um, it's definitely something that, you know, by living with her, I think I've, um, I don't know, just grown in my, in my love of life and, and joy of life. So, um, it's pretty great. Wow. <laughs> That's really sweet. Oh, nice. <laughs> Rachel, your turn. Um, I, I think for Tyler, like the, the thing that really, I don't know, that really stands out to me is just like how real and honest he is. Like if something is, is good or bad, he will just call it like it is and doesn't try to sugarcoat things. Um, which is really, really amazing because, you know, when he tells you that he loves you or he's proud of you or that you can do something, it's real. He's not just using superlatives to say, 
to try to be, you know, optimistic or something, but it's just, I feel like the words that you use carry a lot of weight because they're true. Um, and I think your high school athletes see that your adult athletes see that. And that's why we, you know, like to surround, like, like to be around you because we know that what we're getting is real. Wow. What a great place to start. Look at this. We're basically like renewing your vows here on the podcast. <laughs> Let's start with parenthood. Obviously, we're both sort of going through this uh, journey at the same time. And we were just talking before we press record that it's my son's first birthday, which means it's Lewis's first, first birthday is coming up very soon. Talk about this new chapter of your lives. And, and maybe, Rachel, we can start with you. Like, how have things changed and how have things stayed the same, um, you know, in motherhood? Yeah. Well, I want to preface all of this by saying I love being a mom and it's really, truly the best thing that's ever happened to me, but it has come with a lot of challenges. Um, I mean, I, I loved being pregnant. I loved, you know, I love our little guy. Um, but returning to running postpartum has been extremely challenging getting injured, I mean, as any runner knows is, is really, really hard and can be dark. Um, and I think having to go through that kind of coupled with all of the joy of having this wonderful new human in your life is kind of, it's kind of interesting to have both at the same time. Um, yeah, it, I think the running side of things has just been really hard. And a big part of my identity is with running and being able to express myself through running and losing that for a long time has been challenging. Yeah. So maybe going a little bit deeper, because I know it's sort of, it, you identified the, the fact that it was going to be a little bit more challenging maybe than you expected at Orcas at the beginning of the year. I think it was in February where you didn't finish mm -hmm. the 50 kilometer race. I think it was your first race yeah. back po postpartum. Yeah. Maybe talk yeah. about that race and like dropping out and, and sort of like how it reframed how you were thinking about returning to your running. Yeah. I mean, I... I thought that I was doing everything right. Like I worked with a pelvic floor physical therapist. I thought that we were being really conservative with my mileage. I felt like, you know, I'm, I'm working harder than I've ever worked to run less miles than I've ever run in terms of, you know, doing physical therapy and uh, lifting and all that stuff. Uh, going into Orcas, sorry, there's a plane flying overhead. That's fine. <laughs> Um, going into Orcas, I started having some back pain that just kind of felt like, you know, post long run or post ultra, you know, back pain, like some achiness. Um, and it just really got bad in the race. And I was, I knew I was like, I cannot keep running on this. So I, I dropped out and I was pretty convinced something bad was going on and got answers to that really quickly that I had a sacral, um, stress fracture and yeah, that, that obviously set me back to, to, you know, kind of ground zero, just thinking like, okay, I need to be even more conservative. Um, need to, I, then I started seeing, you know, Matt Walsh, who we all know and love, um, kind of found out, I found out I was deficient vitamin D, which is, seems like a no brainer because we're living in Portland and there's, yeah. you know, it was winter and I wasn't taking vitamin D. How silly is that? Um, so there were all these little things that I was missing. Um, and I feel like as hard as it was, like we learned a lot of lessons and, and I'm now able to apply that to my current training. And I think that's been, that's been a good, um, 
you know, in the end, I want to put an optimistic, positive spin on things. And as dark as it was, I think that it's, it's been a good journey. So like as a scientifically oriented person, you know, for the audience, what's the correlation there between being postpartum and having bone injury? Cause I think you also said, you know, women who are postpartum can also be susceptible to bone injuries because of breastfeeding yeah. or something like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Your bone density actually goes down when you're nursing, which I, I didn't know about that. Um, in my mind, I was thinking, Oh, well, I've been carrying around all this extra weight. Surely I'm going to be, my bones are going to be stronger or something. Um, but your bone density actually goes down for as long as you're nursing and doesn't come back. I think it's until like maybe six months postpartum that they've, they've shown that it recovers. So it makes sense. You're losing calcium in the breast milk. Um, I also started taking a calcium supplement. Uh, there's no data to show that that helps, but maybe it does. Um, and then the other thing is just anatomically, you know, delivering a child and carrying a child, like all of that is going to change your biomechanics. And so, um, I think just like the way that my body was moving was different and the, the stress that was being put on my bones was different than, than pre, you know, pre-pregnancy. Yeah. So I think all of that coupled together, um, a little bit different gait, low bone density, you see it all the time. Like so many women have had, uh, you know, bone stress fractures or bony injuries postpartum. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it, we really need to be talking about it more. Cause even as someone who thought they were doing it all right, who was studying it, like I still, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And I think it is something that needs to be talked about more. And, uh, you know, even for me, it's really, you know, fascinating to learn about too. And I think as somebody who, um, you know, is still competing at a super high level, there's a lot of moms who have proven that you can bounce back from delivering chi children and be, you know, still competing at the top of the sport. And, you know, it just is not easy and it's not necessarily intuitive that like acute comeback period. So the more we can totally. enlighten the world, the better. Tyler, let's talk about how this has been for you. I mean, this has obviously been a, a big period of change too. I know in addition to being a father now, there was a decision to kind of step back from your job as a teacher and make a deeper investment in your own athletic career and in your coaching career. Can you talk about that thought process and, you know, whether there yeah. were any conflicting emotions? You know, it's been, I think, I mean, I look at our life, you know, if, if last year we, I was continuing to teach and, um, and we had the baby and we were, I was still coaching, um, my individual athletes and my high school athletes and, um, and then continuing to run as hard as I want to run, um, something would have had to give. And so, um, it was, it was, it was, um, it was good that, that, the, that I was able to, to leave my, my position and at the school, um, to be able to go fully into running was the idea of it. But, you know, as a parent or at, at, with, with that parent or with the new added, <laughs> um, aspect of parenthood, I had to, or that became my full priority. And then, you know, I think running was still kind of the, the secondary piece of it. But, um, but I think there's a point in which it, it keeps me grounded and not going and just training as hard as I possibly could and overcooking myself. Like there's, it's always good to have those other things that kind of 
tie down your running a little bit and make it more, um, a piece of your life and not your whole life. Um, so, so I think that's been a really good, it's been a great balance. I mean, even on this trip early on in this trip, we were, we just looked at one another and we were like, this is, this would, this wouldn't be as much fun without Lewis. Yeah. Like, it's just so fun having him around and the way that we can interact with locals in a different way with Lewis being the kind of conduit to that is, is just, it's so fun. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think as a, and then, you know, cause, because Rachel and I both share our athletic endeavors and are very much, um, you know, her, her challenges in running or, or the injury, like I feel that just as much. And so there is that tension with like trans Grand Canaria, which we did in, in February was a really the, the big example of this, of her being fully injured. Like she's walking around with her trekking poles and that was a really, really like not a fun trip for her. Yeah. Um, as I was able to go and do runs and, and explore the, the Island and, um, yeah, just, I think recognizing the pain that she was in as best I can. I don't know if I'm the most empathetic person in the world, but hopefully able to, um, to, to feel some of the the difficulties that she experienced there. Um, that's just something that we work through and within our relationship and, and how we go about sharing, sharing the role of parenthood or yeah. of, of parents to, to Lewis. Yeah. I've always found that to be an interesting dynamic and, couples who are both sort of professional athletes when one person's having, you know, a moment yeah. of positivity and the other's having a moment of negativity about how you manage to navigate those. And I'd like to talk about trans grand canary in a little bit, but Tyler also like, I'd love to hear you talk about, you know, just the thought process of kind of leaving the security of this long-term career you had had in Portland as a teacher at the exact moment that your child was, was born more or less. And, you know, whether yes. or not that was like, maybe Rachel could comment on this too, because I'm sure you guys had a lot of conversations together about what was best for the family. Yeah. I mean, we're, I think to an extent we're kind of like, okay, how's this going to work for the next one or two or three years and not seeing the big, big picture of, I need to retire out of this, um, out of this particular position. But, um, well, Rachel was, it it also fit fairly well in that, um, we were planning on Rachel's going to be finishing medical school and going off to residency. And that means I'll likely be leaving. I would have likely been leaving my current position or my position at the time in teaching. So it just kind of, it felt like a a good time to be able to pull the plug on teaching for the time being. And, you know, I talked with my, when I talked with my head of the middle school, she said, you can, you can come back to teaching. It's not, it doesn't have to be a a once and forever thing. Like, um, and she's been, and was extremely encouraging with that decision as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it, 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 it was serendipitous, I guess, just the timing felt right with it. And then, and then actually we, I think maybe two weeks after I told her that I wouldn't be coming back the next year, that's when we found out we were pregnant. Yeah, okay, and, I were, yeah. and I was like, can we push, can we, can we <laughs> can pump we the brakes on this? this? Yeah. Uh, 
And and then took some time and said, like, okay, with this new added. Yeah. I feel like you you were really more like nervous after we found out we were pregnant about leaving your position. Yeah. And I feel like I was a little bit more like, actually, this is a really good time to do that because we're gonna be able to be with the baby and otherwise, you know, a lot of that the like I just don't know how people are able to maintain two jobs and like raise a small child. I just like it's it's unless you it's, have really serious help and family that lives nearby. It, it's yeah. just a, a lot more than you really understand until you're in the yeah. 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 Um, um yeah, anything else you want to add, Rachel? I think you know, I think this is interesting too. It's almost like your guys's trip to Europe. It's like we never know what's going to happen in life, right? Like Absolutely. Tyler, this is your chance to sort of go all in on your mm-hmm. running career and your coaching business. And like, you know, it doesn't, it isn't the end necessarily. If you do want to go back to classroom teaching, I'm sure there was uh, a lot of conversations that you guys had to sort of yeah. arrive at that, uh, that understanding, but I'm sure it's been a, a fun, freeing new chapter for you both. Yeah. Yeah. In so many yeah, ways. It's been good. Rachel, where are you at with your professional career now? Last time you were on the show, I think yeah. you were just wrapping up your MD, PhD, PhD program. Yeah. So tell us, yeah. tell us where you're at. I have eight weeks left and I'll pretty much graduate in December. Um, and I'm applying to residency programs right now. And what does that look like? So, yeah, I'm applying into anesthesiology um, and it's a, it's a four year training program. Um, which yeah, anybody who is in medicine knows that residency is pretty, pretty darn intense. So it'll just, it'll be interesting. We've been talking about sort of what running is going to look like during that time. And, um, obviously I want to keep running, but I think the, you know, obviously the big priority is going to be to get good medical training. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of, and for the residency, you know, like application process, is that where you get matched with a school and you sort of like stack rank where you would like to go the most and somehow they pair you up with a place that might need somebody of your skill set? That's yeah. So the programs also rank all of the applicants and then there's an algorithm that matches applicants and programs. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, ideally you get one of your top picks, but you could, you could kind of go anywhere. And do you have any idea of where you might end up at this point or is it too early to tell? It's hard to say. We, we want to be in, you know, places that have good trails, but also good anesthesiology residency programs. And I think some of those places are, um, OHSU, University of Washington, um, University of Utah, and Colorado. a couple Bay, Bay Area Colorado. schools too. Oh Let's yeah, UCSF go. and Stanford, of course. <laughs> UC San Diego. Um, if there's any residency program directors listening, if I don't name your school, it doesn't mean I don't want to go there. I'm just maybe having a, a a blank right now. Send a DM. Anyway, yeah, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. It's mostly <laughs> just, just curious there is there is kind of a courting that goes on between applicants and programs, like you know, love letters are sent. Yeah. You're like, really want to come to your program? Or I've heard of programs even saying that to applicants. So um, it makes sense. You want people who are going to be happy where, you know, wherever your program is and vice versa. Yeah. All right. So let's come back and talk about Transgrand Canaria. Tyler, you started your season there. Unfortunately, Rachel was 
banged up at that time, but you had a really strong third place finish and it felt like sort of like your big European breakthrough more or less. It's sort of a theme that we've had on the show is just kind of like the learning curve. Sometimes it takes for many of us to like go over to Europe and get our feet wet and figure it out before you can really like race to your potential. And it felt like you did there at Trans Grand Canaria. Tell us a little bit about how that went and whether my characterization feels accurate to you. Yeah, that felt like a really solid race. I mean, I'm looking back and I was looking back at my training recently and I'm like, there wasn't anything like really eye popping in it, especially when I'm like in so deep in training right now. And that feels like, okay, this is where I'm kind of getting to like the limits of my, uh, my training, but, um, but the execution of the race and just, I think it was more, it was more than anything, just a huge confidence booster. I mean, the plan all along this year has been to do a pretty mountainous race early on. And then as I train for Western States kind of simultaneously have an eye on, on UTMB as well. And that worked really well because I also needed to work on being in the mountains at Western States. So, um, it was kind of a concurrent training, training plan there. Um, but yeah, I mean, trans Grand Canaria, I mean, it, it was a, I don't I, yeah, I just, I think I felt like everything that it threw at me, I was able to rise to the occasion and, um, and, and stay, stay sharp the entire race and engaged, um, especially late in the race when, um, I think what, uh, Roco, Roco new blow that high point of the trail. Um, oh, yeah. that's when I started, I started, I, I, well, I could see people behind me, but I could also see that like, I was starting to catch a couple people and just felt like, okay, this is, I'm, this is very, I'm very much in this. And I guess the other piece of it that was really important for me is I kind of went back and forth of, I even, I talked with Courtney about this before the race. And I was like, I don't know if I should like kind of do my normal, like start slow sort of thing or what. And she's like, you need to just go for it. And she was so, like, I don't want to see you. She yes. said, I don't want to see you at all tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Didn't she say that? Which is Which having is a, a very good race. Yeah, that yeah, that's a challenge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so I went out and, you know, whatever, little over six minute pace in the first three or four miles and just kind of, and found myself like running with guys that were top tenors at UTMB last year. And it was like, oh, I actually feel pretty good in this group. Um, and, and even, and then past them and I'm like, oh, I feel really good and even, even running faster than this group. So I think those are all real good confidence boosters that I bring to them. I still don't feel like I'm going into Western or going into UTMB with like this huge amount of confidence that I can just knock it out of the park. I know that you have to come here with a little bit of humility as well. Um, but I, look at how that, that race went and say, I can, I can run with people who've been in the top 10 at, at UTMB, who've been in the top five at CCC. Like I can run with these guys yeah. and I don't know for sure if that'll happen in a few weeks, but I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. And you know, Trans Grand Canaria is sort of like the middle ground, I feel like between a Western States and a UTMB, just in terms of 
the terrain, you know, it's faster than no. it can be, but, but like not quite as fast as Western States. So I don't know, this does feel like a, a good stepping stone for you and a good confidence boost of performing in Europe. I want to come back to what you said about the training for Western States and how you were kind of looking ahead towards UTMB in a sec, but maybe Rachel coming back to you, talk about a little bit more about like, you know, you were diagnosed with this sacral stress fracture, which I'm sure was kind of devastating as you were trying to make your return to running post-pregnancy. I was feeling good too. I was like, Ooh, I'm feeling good. Maybe a little too good. I kind of recall <laughs> Tyler saying something like that to me. I can't remember where I saw you guys, but he was like, yeah, like Rachel's on fire right now. And yeah, it was a, it was a bummer to see, but it did seem like, you know, you did the right things and you bounced back, um, you know, got back to the place where you could be active again with some patience. So maybe tell us about that process and, you know, anything you learned along the way. Yeah. I, I think I try to really play it safe in that return to running. Um, really, I, I tried to like quiet any voices of, you know, like keep, keep my circle really small and like talk to Tyler, talk to my physical therapist, Matt Walsh and like Keely pretty much. And I was like, okay, team, like I'm consulting with just these few people. Um, and yeah, I, I think I took at least 10 weeks, maybe 12 weeks completely off. But like, as soon as I could start working on things, I was working on things. So really, really small movements, um, you know, walking uphill on the treadmill kind of slowly running on the alter G like, again, just trying to have, this is the attitude that I had when I was returning to running was like, I want to see how good I can be and do everything right and work really hard and not have any excuse of, oh, well, I'm doing something else. And so I can only dedicate so much to my running. Mm -hmm. I wanted to really be disciplined with it. And I feel like I just tried to apply that mentality to coming back and being healthy. Um, and I think so far it's been working really well and like just every single race that I'm doing, it's like, I unlock another key of like, okay, I've been working on that in training and it's feeling so much better than it did a few weeks ago. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think we're on the right path. So then like you and Caitlin Gerben, if I'm remembering it correctly, walked the 25 K at Canyon. So you you were thinking, you were sort of thinking ahead about getting your qualification and your stones for OCC later in the season. What were the considerations there? Like, how are you balancing? Like what's smart for me versus like, you know, putting yourself in a position to like have optionality. Right. Well, I knew we were going to be living over here at that time. So I, I really wanted to do one of the UTMB races, um, and I, again, talked to my small circle of advisors and I said, is this okay for me to walk this? Um, and, and, you know, Matt, the, our PT said it was okay. And if he had said, no, I think that's a dumb idea. I would not have done it. Um, so I think just like, yeah, it's just been so key to have people in your corner that you really trust and that you actually listen to. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, let's come back and talk about what you have done because you have been sort of like slowly, steadily progressing. You've done a lot of shorter distance races, including Sears and all last weekend ahead of OCC coming up here in a couple of weeks. 
The best gear isn't born in a factory. It is inspired by real people challenging themselves to explore new parts of the world. That's why I love Rourke. Their team pulls design inspiration straight from the cultures and climates of new destinations to create durable and comfortable styles that can take you straight from the trail to the coffee shop or the bar. Trail culture, if you know what I mean. For over 10 years, Rourke has explored the globe to seek adventure on the road less traveled. Grounded in the joy of travel, each Rourke collection is inspired by a specific location around the world, and each includes a give back because Rourke believes in leaving a positive impact on the places that host their adventures. Rourke's latest collection is inspired by a trip to Hokkaido, Japan, featuring Japanese prints and patterns, and Free Trail fans will especially love the Rourke Run Amuck line. It's functional running gear that goes against traditional activewear styling, so you never have to choose between performance and personality. I've been rocking Rourke's Mathis Core t-shirt recently. The cut reminds me of my favorite cotton t-shirts, but with dry-release jersey knit material, it dries so much faster, so again, I can wear it while I'm out ripping on the trails or when I'm podcasting in my garage. Go check out the whole Run Amok apparel collection and for a limited time, as one of my listeners, you can get a 15% discount off your first order. Go to Rourke.com, use code FREETRAIL15 at checkout. Don't wait, that's R-O-A-R-K.com and use code FREETRAIL15. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition and their branch chain amino acid drink mix, the product I use more than any other in my day-to-day life. The BCAA drink mix is part of my morning routine every day before I get out the door for training. I smash a serving of this delicious and essential amino acid combination. Gnarly BCAAs provide a vegan trifecta of leucine, isoleucine, and valine, which research suggests work together to increase protein synthesis and muscle growth to keep you strong and healthy on the trails. Research also shows that if consumed in the 20 to 30 minutes before exercise and even during longer training sessions, BCAAs and leucine in particular can help minimize muscle protein breakdown, thus reducing post-exercise soreness and speeding recovery between training sessions. I swear I can feel the difference in my strength, recovery, and general energy levels when I have my BCAAs and when I don't. And in all the conversation about carbohydrates and protein and calories per hour, I feel like BCAAs often get lost in the mix, even though they are by definition essential. Don't skimp on the essentials. Pick up a can of the gnarly BCAAs at gonarly.com and use code FREETRAIL15. Gonarly.com, use code FREETRAIL15. Coming back to you, Tyler, in Western States, man, you're just so freaking impressive, man. You're just so consistent. It's such a stud, man. And I think it's really like instructive to you know, that you can do it in multiple different ways. And I want to talk about that in a sec, but maybe let's start with like why you decided to do it again. You know, as somebody who had finished three years in a row, you went 14th, second, fourth, and it would have been a good opportunity to maybe just, just focus on UTMB or to take a step back from Western States after three solid ones in a row. Why'd you decide to go back? It's so hard to not go back. (laughs) I mean, when you have an when you have an entry in there and and it's just become like uh like over the years it just starts to become a family like you know you see the same people and i just love the process of like 
it all, I just, I love this like month by month, the changes and the feelings of fitness that you get. And then also like I'm coaching track. And so I'm able, I have to like kind of pull back my training. And then once track done, track is done, then I have my big like training camp. Like it's all kind of mapped out for what works for me. And I love sitting in the sauna. Um, didn't need that going. this year. <laughs> yeah. You didn't, you didn't need it, but you still do it. Right. Still did it, I yeah. mean, all of those, it's just that, that step-by-step thing of like leading up to the race and yeah, I, I and then the race itself. I mean, I was t- telling Rachel, like, just when you know a course so well, you don't like look, I don't look at my watch at all that yeah. entire day. Cause I'm like, I know what's coming next. And I like, and I, and I get excited about the next, the next part of the the course and stuff. Like it's all, it's yeah. Just that, that journey step-by-step step has become really special for me. And there's so many memories along the trail. So that's the big one. I mean, like I, I wouldn't say it's like, I have to go and win this thing. Um, but I do feel like I get a lot out of myself and that's really exciting as well. Like regardless of where you place your, you, you unlock, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like the place almost doesn't even matter. Cause it's like, Oh, I ran this differently this year. And that was really satisfying. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's talk about that. But first I want to go back to what you said about your training. Cause I thought that was really interesting. You're of course, I think you still work with Matt Lay, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you did the Western States UTMB double last year, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you had some learnings about that, that you probably felt you could improve upon. You finished fourth at Western States last year and then had kind of a tough one at UTMB. Mm-hmm. You finished, but you know, not, not quite a Tyler green <laughs> trademark race. I don't think uh, I'm offending you and giving it that characterization, but Uh, Yeah. I mean like another, just you, you smash it at Western States, but I'd love to hear you talk about how you and Matt identified, like how you might adjust the training to put you in a good position to not only, not only perform well at Western States, but also a couple months later at UTMB. What did that look like? Yeah. It's just a lot more. I mean, we, we had a little bit of like kind of flatter threshold work, which I think is important for, for Western States, but it was a lot more like hill reps and, and getting strong with climbing with the intention of, I'm going to really work hard in the canyons and I'm not going to lose a bunch of time going up to Robinson flat, which I did successfully. And, um, and I, like, I remember last year I, I got, or sorry, I guess 2022, I, I got into, uh, Robinson flat and like my, crew later on told me like that they just thought I didn't look good. Like I just felt a little bit ragged, um, going in, going into there. And, and I recognized, I, I, yeah, I just, I didn't feel good in, in the high country and maybe that's a little bit of altitude. I know it's not a crazy amount of altitude or anything like that, but we got there a week early and got a little bit of acclimatization in. So just those little things like that. But I think mainly it was just like, I'm just going to do a lot more climbing. And so the process races that I did, I had the choice between doing daybreak racings, um, Tillamook, Tillamook burn 50 or doing the tiger claw 50 mile. And I chose the tiger claw 50 mile. And I was like, gosh, it's going to be a really hard day. It ended up being 90 degrees. So hotter than Western States (laughs) this year. And it's six climbs of, I think, 2,500 feet each climbing the same mountain six times. Um, and, and that was, that was my preparation for especially being in the high country and recognizing like, Hey, that's 
half of UTMB, UTMB and I yeah. actually ran that really strong. Um, that was a really big confidence booster for me for, for the high country. And, um, and as you know, like when I hit the high country, I mean, I think the snow was super fun. Like, I think it comes with, you have to have, kind of bring the right perspective into that, but I really enjoyed being in this, in the snow that, and, and being up front and, and running with all those other guys and, um, and saying like, all right, I'm, I'm doing what I, what I set out to do. The other thing that Matt really had me do, which is more towards Western States and less, less towards UTMB is like, we would just do these hard hill workouts or, or mountain workouts where he's just like, you get two minutes to warm up and then you're hammering up this hill, <laughs> like a, a hunchback mountain. So like a 2,500 foot climb, yeah. um, without any recovery. And that's just to get ready for like the escarpment. Not that I'm going to be hammering up it, but let's just, let's get good, get going right away. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, and that felt that made the escarpment feel, you know, like an easy climb where, I, and also where I wasn't like already 10 minutes back and, and trying to claw myself back. And then it probably puts you in a better position once you recover for Western States to just be ready to stack right. that climbing volume for yeah. UTMB. I want to ask right. you both about this change in strategies. Cause I've found it just like so inspiring. And we talked about it on the track in your finish line interview. And you said that it was very much an intentional thing that you wanted to walk off the track that night, knowing that you had gone for it. And all day, yeah. Corinne and I were talking about like, man, like, you know, Tyler's typically not in the mix until after the river crossing. And that's when he's really like starting to, you know, move into that sort of podium contention area. But you were in second place, like very early. So I want to hear you both just like talk about that strategy, Tyler, just sort of like how you arrived at wanting to sort of change things up in your fourth running at Western States and, and then Rachel, any sort of conversations that you guys had leading up to it that might be illuminating. I'll be curious to hear what she has to say here. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Dylan, you play a big role in this. Um, <laughs> so Tyler, I feel like he would say things like, Oh, I don't even know if I can be top 10. Like there's so many good guys, you know, on the, on the list this year. And I was like, you know, Oh, and then also when it was starting to be cold, I think you started saying, oh, I feel like it needs to be hot for me to do well there because oh. I'm so good at managing myself in the heat. And I kind of was just like, you know, oh, and then the other thing was he wasn't sure that he could like go out hard and stick it. And I reminded him of what you forced him to do with the Wonderland Trail in <laughs> 2020 COVID year. Dylan set the Wonderland FKT by like an hour and a half. Um, I think it was Ryan Gelfie's record. Yeah. And then that was five days before Tyler's scheduled attempt. He of course didn't get any sleep that night. <laughs> and then he has to, he has to change his goal to be an hour and a half faster than he thought he was going to have to run it. So he had to go for it from the start and he was able to, I don't, I don't know how it was amazing, but like he was able to sneak under your time. And I just reminded him of that. Like, you know, you've done this before you did this at trans grand Canaria. You did this with the wonderland trail. Like you can race, race aggressively and stick it. So I feel like that was a pretty critical like piece of data for you to have to, to know like, okay, maybe I can do that. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's what I was expecting her to say is just like, it was a lot of me doubting and her and like, I know Keely multiple times was like, you need to be up front way earlier. You can't let like a half an hour go away like that. Um, and, and Matt lay as well, just people like in my corner saying I could do it, like believe in yourself and, and go give it a shot. Cause you've been second, you've been fourth, like, yeah, nothing to lose. I don't know for sure if I'm going to go next year or not. Like you, you have nothing to lose. So see what, see what can happen if you take a different approach. Wow. That's so cool, man. I, I'd love to also maybe have both you. Cause to me, when I watch you race Tyler, and then even like afterwards on the track, there's this sense of like calm that you have in aid stations and stuff where it just feels like you're always in control. Like you never let things spiral more or less. I don't know if you feel like that's accurate. And if you do feel it is like, what do you do to sort of like put yourself in that Zen mindset to sort of keep composure throughout races that do have a lot of consequences attached to them? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Western States in particular, I feel like it's just, there's something about it that just brings me into a flow state. And I think that has to do with like the, it's a challenge, but I also like know that I have the skills to, to the rise to that, to that challenge. Um, I think, and I know this is something that I think probably you've, you've influenced for me as well as like doing like some like mindfulness meditation of just being in the moment and learning or, and, and, and when I find myself kind of spiraling out of control or something like that, I can come back to my, come back to the present moment and be like, I don't need to think about what's going, what, like uh-huh. what the finish line is going to look like and what place I'm going to be in. I need to think about what, what's happening right now and how I'm feeling and am, am I managing things. And usually, and if I take stock of like how I'm actually feeling, it's usually kind of okay, which I think is like one of the meditations that your brother had on like mountain biking or something like that, that I remember. And I've told my, <laughs> I've told my high schoolers this multiple times about just like, yeah, I can't, I can't think about how I got to climb this entire mountain with my legs burning and my lungs, my lungs burning. But if I think about like how this current pedal stroke feels right now, it's actually okay. Like I can manage that. I just can't manage it all at once thinking about all that I have to do. All right. So Rachel, this is perfect. I want to have you chime in about this also specifically as it relates to those last few miles. Cause Anthony Costales was making up time on you. He was in third place. You were in second. And Rachel jumped in to be your pacer from Pointed Rock. So for the final five or six miles. And that's sort of one of those moments where, you know, you could get discouraged or, you know, choke in a situation like that if you don't have kind of a calmer disposition and, you know, some confidence that you will be okay. So Rachel, anything you want to add about Tyler's performance in Western States and maybe specifically about that episode with Anthony chasing you guys down? Yeah. Uh, well, I want to say we love Anthony. He's such a good guy. Um, I think know, knowing what Tyler told me before the race about how he wanted to run the race and how he, I, I mean, how he did run it up until Pointed Rocks where I picked him up. Um, I wanted to like basically hold him to what he said he wanted, which was to run every step of that, you know, the climb from, uh, no hands bridge 
And also, you know, now that you, you mentioned it with like things spiraling, it was like, okay, Anthony made up five minutes on Tyler over, I don't know, 10 miles or so. And I told Tyler that, and he's like, is it really, is it really five minutes though? Or like, are you lying to me? Because I have lied to him before about those things. Uh, he's like, I was like, no, it's, it's five minutes. And then we got down to the river and we heard it had, it had cut down to like three minutes. Um, and so I think, you know, I think a lot of people in that situation, you're in so much pain. You want to be done. It'd be easy to kind of choke and be like, oh, I can't. He's going to get me. Yeah, like it's still third place. No big deal. That's still an awesome it's race. still really good. <laughs> we got to Roby Point and Anthony's like Chico State buddies were all up there and they're like, enjoy it, man. You're he's he's not coming. And Rachel's like, don't listen to them. <laughs> I was like, no, I think they're actually like, yeah. I don't think they're lying to us, yeah. but we kept pushing uh, until, yeah. you know, but until it wasn't, that last time. Again, it's not just about like not getting caught. It's not about the place. It's about like knowing that you really like you pushed every step of the way yeah. and you really did. Like you gave everything that you could kind of regardless of whether there was someone closing in on you. And yeah, I think that that's like really what what we're proud of is, is the effort as a whole. And it's not just the second place. Yeah. It was so beautiful too, at the finish line, you know, carrying Lou across, across, (laughs) across the finish line. And I think you said something also about like how last year you had found out that Rachel was pregnant or something this year, you've got Lewis on your shoulders and you know, just how much the race is sort of meant to you guys and your little family. And, you know, it's been part of, you know, the story of your career in a lot of ways, even as so many things have changed, including the expansion of the family. I wanted to ask you also, I was listening to David Roche and Megan Roche's podcast last week, where they said something about the fact that they had, they were sort of speculating, but I think they were sort of observing in some of their athletes that they had recovered more quickly from Western states because it was less hot. And so basically their speculation was they think people w- might be able to execute the Western states UTMB double more effectively. Of course, people who are listening to this will know that it's hard for professional athletes to nail those two races in the same summer. So I wondered if you had noticed in something. In, yeah, <laughs> Women have done fine. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Men especially. But I wondered if you had experience that if you felt like maybe you had bounced back from Western States, even though it was a huge PR, you ran faster than you have on the course low. What was it? 1505 or something like that. Yeah. I think, um, well, I think the bigger thing for us has been this time around. Well, so in 2021, it was a couple weeks later that I decided like, Oh, I'm going to try I'm going to do TDS. So it was, it was just more of like, uh, might as well, might as well try to do something. And I was able to get the okay from our school to leave a little bit or to, to arrive at, at like start of the school meetings a little bit late. And the same thing with last year, it was, I was going to do CCC. And then I was like, no, I should just do to UTMB. Like if you want to like train to do well at UTMB, you might as well just do the whole course rather than like yeah. kind of have these stepping stones. Yeah. That was my thought process at the time. Um, and this time it's like, like from the start, it was, I want to do both of these and I want to do both of them well. And so that's meant like this time around I'm doing workouts. And before it was just like, go and go and run. And, um, 
But do you think it's going to be, do you think you recover better from Western States because it was cooler this year? That was the question. Yeah. That was the question. Uh, I mean, I feel like, I feel like I've recovered pretty well from Western States the other years too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there are answer of that question. Huh? Okay. Well, that's interesting because there are a lot of people who are doing both, you know, between both the men's and women's races. And so I I just think that'll be an interesting storyline for people to follow because I think typically you would sort of look at people like you or like Esther who finished second in the women's race and be like, ah, they may be a little bit banged up still from Western States. The courses are so different. And so I don't know. I just think it'll be interesting to see if that reduction in like the oppressive heat at Western States does improve like the body's ability to bounce back. Yeah. But yeah. I guess we'll see. I was running with Emily Schmitz, Esther's Hoka teammate mm-hmm. this morning. She's like, I think Esther's going to crush UTMB this year. So I'm, I'm really she's excited awesome. to see how that all, how that all goes down. Yeah, she's also in the mom category, which is a perfect segue to come back to you, Rachel. So <laughs> you did, you did broken arrow, you did Dolomiths last weekend, you did Sears and all. So maybe just sketch the arc of your season so far, since you've sort of returned from injury, how your body's feeling, how things have been progressing. Yeah. Yeah. I also did the uphill race at Tiger Claw, um, just up to Tiger Mountain. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, that, that first one, these are all, you know, sanctioned by my advisory committee. Um, that was really just like, okay, I want to just stand on a start line and, you know, just experience a race and then broken arrow. It was like, okay, let's experience a, a more competitive race. Let's work on fueling. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily like racing each of these races all out, but like trying to sort of rediscover, components of a good race within each one. And I think by the time Dolomis came around, it was like, okay, I can, I can actually race this now. Um, I, I knew that my training wasn't great going into it. Um, and I, I felt really good. Uh, most of the race, I kind of struggled on the steep climb from, from like three K to eight K. I think you climb that's like the big really it's hell yeah it's a a big climb i think i lost like 13 positions or something like that i was just really struggling Uh um but then it's a really technical descent which is something that i've been kind of working on with matt and i i did well on that descent and i think that gave me a lot of confidence like okay if i can descend at dolomites like i can i can descend on anything because it's just kind of choose your own adventure, downhill, rocky running. Um, and then going into Sierra Zinal, I felt like for the first time I wasn't, I wasn't sort of repulsed by like, I wasn't nervous in terms of like, oh, I don't really want to start this. I don't know how this is going to go. I was, I was genuinely like, I'm excited for this. I knew my training had been really good since Dolomis. I recovered well from Dolomis. Um, I was just excited to see where I was at and I felt super strong for most of it. Um, I think I could use a little bit of Tyler's Zen, like when things aren't going well to just slow down and like, at least slow down in your mind and think, okay, like, how do I actually feel? What can I control right now? Um, try to just keep, you know, keep moving forward and not catastrophize. Cause I, when I finished the race, I thought I was in like 30th place. And then I got a text from my mom and she was like, good job, sweetheart. 19th is really good. And I was like, 
thanks mom. Like 19th is pretty good. Like oh, for yeah. where I'm at, I feel like 19th at Sierra Zinal is like substantially better than 22nd at Dolomist. It's more competitive. Yeah. And, um, the other cool thing about that race is they have bonuses for time. Like if you run under a certain time, and so even though I, I felt like my place goal had gone out the door, I was like, oh, well, if I run, you know, eight minute miles for the next five miles, I'm going to get under their slowest time bonus. And so I just started pushing a little bit and, and that ended up being like a really good, um, impetus to, to like, you know, not to keep racing and like, and not just kind of give up. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by HVMN and the Ketone IQ Supplement. Ketone IQ has become a huge phenomenon in endurance sport in recent years, allowing athletes of all levels to access new levels of performance. It was first adopted in cycling, especially among the professional ranks, but it's now finding its way into the running world, which is awesome and with great success. I recall seeing British ultra star Tom Evans smashing a ketone IQ as he jumped in the raft at the Rucky Chucky River Crossing on his way to victory, the 2023 Western States. Well, if it's good enough for Tom, it's good enough for me. Ketone IQ was invented by HVMN to help athletes of all levels reach their physical potential by boosting cognitive performance. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you know that your brain is key to performing at your best as a runner from fatigue resistance to improved focus and mental clarity. Ketone IQ can give you deeper brain power when the miles and exhaustion start to add up. This is something you really have to experience to understand. So make sure you give Ketone IQ a try. You can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30. Again, visit hvmn forward slash free trail 30 and subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. There is a link in the show notes of this episode as well. Thanks to HVMN. So, you know, obviously like after a sacral stress fracture, there's probably some fear, like probably takes a little bit of time to like build trust back into your body. And so you're probably building that confidence and trust with all these sort yeah. of shorter, shorter races that you've been doing. How is that sort of mapped to your training also? Because I'm sure there's also, and I'm pretty sure Tyler helps you with that stuff. If not, as acts, as your, acts, acts as your coach. So talk about how you guys sort of come to formulate whatever the training prescription is and like how you balance it with how you're feeling in this return uh, to running postpartum. I think we, we get a lot of data from the races. So like after Dolomis, I was like, I just, I didn't feel strong with sustained climbing. And so we took that information into the next training block and he's like, okay, let's do some threshold climbs. And obviously, you know, being near Mont Blanc, there's lots of great places to climb. Um, and so I just, I really focused on that and I, and that really showed at Sierra Zenal. And so, I mean, I think that's such a fun thing about the sport. Like you put the hard work in, you address deficiencies and then you improve if you can stay healthy. <laughs> so, you know, it's only been a couple of days since Sierra Zenal and you only have maybe two and a half weeks now, I guess, until OCC. What was the data that you collected at Sierra Zenal and how might that influence the final couple I guess a couple days of training, you probably don't have a lot of yeah. extra. Work yeah. To I, do. I think just like honing, honing some like faster, flatter running, which there isn't a ton of that in OCC, but like 
I feel like the, the climbing and the descending is great. Um, but when in Sierra's, you know, when it got flat, you know, there's these people, I swear they're passing me. I was like, are you guys running like a 5k or something? Cause like they were just blowing by me. Um, and I think, I think that's not, it's not just a fitness thing. It's also a postpartum, like I need to get strong at like a, a higher cadence. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a virtual appointment with Matt today where we're talking about this and he gave me a lot of great things to work on for like, okay, so as you run faster, your body, like neuromuscularly, you have to be able to tell all of these muscles to fire in the correct sequence. And like, we might need to to retrain your body to do that after having a child, because though I ran throughout my pregnancy, I wasn't doing speed and my anatomy is different now. And so I think that that's just been, it's been like a really kind of cool journey trying to figure everything out again. Tyler, I'm sure you probably are self-conscious at times about like, giving this uh, a training load to your wife and the mother of your kid that might be too much or too little. It's sort of a high pressure situation. Anything you want to add about Rachel's return and how you've been there in support as her coach, more or less? I think being here has really helped in that, like the kind of the days in a sense kind of bleed into one another. And so we don't need to be like, okay, we're going to do our workouts on Wednesdays. Wednesday is the workout day. We'll call it workout Wednesday, right? Like you can do your workout when you're ready to. And if she needs an extra day of recovery, she can get her extra day of recovery. And, you know, I think like the training plan that we've written up together is, is, is very loosely. It's like, well, I'm thinking we're maybe going to do this type of workout this day. Cause I want to be, I'm hoping we can touch out, touch on all of these things, but after Sierra's and all, like, I think we can kind of pull away from some of the threshold work, like climbs and work on a little bit more, like, I don't know about on the track, but, you know, going out on maybe just higher turnover. Just, yeah. Just yeah, finding that... ways to practice the things that she needs to practice. So it's a little, it's just a little bit more like, okay, from day to day, or how are we going to look at these next three days? When are you recovered? Like it'd probably be this is, um, two days. So at least another day before we start to like get some more quality work in possibly, but if she needs another day, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That path between Lazouche and Chamonix might be the perfect place for you to do your flatter tempo stuff there, Rachel. It's not, not that, that flat. flat. <laughs> yeah, it's not that flat. Not that flat. So We're all saying flat is as flat as it gets in that part of the world. Yeah. Cool. Well, we can start winding down here and sort of talk a bit about Tyler, what you've been up to in training and maybe what you learned from UTMB last year, how you think you can improve. I'm sure there's a ton that you feel like you can improve from your UTMB finish from last year. So I'd looked at your Strava and it looks like you are in the thick of it, man. And you're probably winding down now. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so yeah. tell us sort of like what, what you and Matt have been working on the mix between volume and intensity and climbing and, and how you're feeling more or less. Yeah. Um, it was hard cause I'd had, I'd had a big week the week before last, but I was also sick and still managed to be able to train pretty well. We just had a bad cold come through baby um, sickness. the whole family. Yeah. Baby sickness perhaps. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I feel really confident in like the last three weeks, four weeks time in Italy as well. Like that's all been just great 
strong climbing and have put some, some intensity into that as well. Um, but that being said, like, I think, I mean, and I, I say this with Western States and I'll say it with UTMB is like, everybody comes in like fitter than they've ever been in their lives. Right. And, um, and then it comes down to execution. Uh, and that is something that I think just having gone around the mountain once is, um, is gives me a little bit more of just like, I know what is in store for me and, um, and how I want to feel at different places. Um, I think, but it's okay if you don't feel, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, and recognizing like, this is a really hard, this is a really hard challenge. Like I'm in a sense, like kind of terrified of, of running around that whole thing. And those last three climbs that are so challenging, but the execution uh, part of things is your wheelhouse, man. Like there are a few people that execute hundreds better than you. Yeah. Even if there are people who are more talented than you, like your calm, your demeanor, your experience, like you're very good at this stuff. So it begs the question now, if execution is the, the main variable or the main, you know, determinant of success, like uh, how might Tyler approach this in terms of strategy and style? Are we going to see the old Tyler Green who comes from behind? Or are we going to see Tyler Green mixing it up early? It's got to be some sort of balance between the two. I mean, I need to, I, I get in tune with my central governor quite a bit in terms of like, what is, what am I, how am I going to spread this thing as evenly as possible over the piece of bread? Um, so and I, I, I want to approach every race as like, you can run fast in certain sections. You can run slower in other sections. I don't know what your strategy is. My strategy is just to get from the start line to the finish line as fast as I can. And in whatever way that that works for me. Um, and I think that that probably means like, I think I came into Lake Contamines and like, or into Les Zouche in like 70th, maybe into Lake Contamines in like 50th or something like that last year. And I think I'll probably need to, need to get going a little bit faster just to kind of get into that, the, the, the flow of, um, of racers a little bit more and to feel that energy a little bit more and simultaneously, like just go into it with a lot of calm, knowing that I have a, a long ways to go. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm good buds with, um, David Laney and I appreciate, I just loved the way that he <laughs> placed third in, in 2016, 15. Um, by just charging those last three climbs. Um, that's a really hard thing to do. Um, I think I'd like to be up a little bit further than that and, and trying to just hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah. I recall I was doing the commentary that year and it was before they had the cameras on the runners, like for the, the whole, you know, the duration of the last 50 K more or less. So we were only getting updates mostly from the aid stations where we would get cameras on the runners. And it was just so crazy to see Dave Laney come back through. I'm sure you can find some of that stuff on YouTube to get inspired here in the last couple of weeks. Well, guys, it's so great to chat again and catch up a little bit. We're going to be over there a week from today too. So looking forward to seeing you both over there yeah, soon. I hope the last couple of weeks in training go smoothly. I'm going to ask you guys both a quick closing question. Then we can wrap up that question being who is one person you admire inside or outside of sport can be living or dead. And why do you admire that person? Rachel, we'll start with you. Ooh, can, can Tyler start? <laughs> Tyler, you can go first. <laughs> Thanks. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you did prep us for this, Rachel. I know. I got to do your homework. You're a student. Come on, you know these things. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm going to go with um, Brian Doyle, who's an incredible author. Um, he has passed away uh, not too long ago with um, brain cancer. But the reason that I'm just so smitten, I'm like, he's an incredible thinker and just has this like, this playful way of writing and communicating that has this wonderment in the world and is simultaneously like incredibly deep. And it's not just the thinking, but I, as far as I understand of who he is, he like lived out that kind of that way of being as well. And, um, and to, to live it out is probably the hard part. You can think all sorts of amazing things and, and not live it, but he, he definitely lived it. So go with Brian Doyle. What's, what's a book that he's written? Um, my favorite is Martin Martin. It's about, it's a story of dude. Harmony is reading that right now. I can't believe you brought that up. That is amazing. Yeah, it's that's so my, funny because I was favorite. making a, I was making fun of her about. It. I was like, "What is this? It's oh, like it's, it's like a a book about like a like some kind of a rodent, isn't it? No, it's a <laughs> it's a mustelid. It's like a it's the family of the weasel and the skunk the and weasel, the otter okay. and the and the and the badger and the wolverine. It's a not martin, a rodent, Dylan. <laughs> so yeah, it's a story. It's a it's a boy and a martin, and they just like simultaneously live these lives up in a little town in the little town of zigzag oregon which is right near where our family cabin is so there's some connection there um and it's just these stories of like this little town and the different characters within it and their struggles and stuff um and yeah it's it's so good there's that mink river is the other is the other one which is a coastal town in oregon so i've i i love my oregon authors um and then um if you want to like a really great one. Just open up um, one long river of song. It's his like essays that he wrote. I believe like he just went on, he, he was diagnosed with cancer. He went on an absolute tear just writing and writing books and essays and poems and everything that he possibly could. And this is his like posthumous work um, that another, um, another Oregon author helped publish for him. Um, David James Duncan, who just, I'm just, I'm kind of nerding out here, <laughs> um, but if Anyways, you open, you open up that it. book and like the first three pages will have you in tears immediately. Yeah. And from there, you'll love Brian Doyle and want to read all of those other stuff. Unbelievable. Thank you for that. I'm going to go look at some of this stuff and maybe I'll pull that book from Harmony when she's finished up with it. So yes. Martin, Martin, Rachel Drake, who's one person yeah. you admire. That was perfect. Gave me some time to think. I'm going to go with a different Brian that actually cured cancer. This is Brian Drucker from OHSU. Um, he's a cancer researcher and he developed a drug called Gleevec or Imatinib um, that's just saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Um, we actually met him at a bookstore on the Oregon coast and I I was like, Brian Drucker. Hi. Like, I'm such a fan. He was like, Oh, I'm just getting a book here for my wife. Um, so I've met him a couple of times. Like he's given talks on campus and he's just such a down to earth guy. And in terms of like, of having an impact on the world, I cannot think of anything more impactful than, than what he's done and continues to do, um, in cancer research. And I think like just being a good, a good human on top of that is, is just, incredible. Awesome. Um, 
Yeah. Well, what a great way to end it. Two now things for me to go look into and research here after our conversation. But thank you both for coming back on the show. I hope Lewis is sleeping soundly and peacefully and uh, look forward to seeing you both over there in Europe in a couple of weeks. Thanks, we Dylan. love you, Dylan. Yeah. Love you. Good to see you. Thanks to Rachel and Tyler. Salt of the earth, good people. Awesome athletes too. Excited to see them rip it up in Chamonix in a couple weeks time. Make sure you go give them a follow on Instagram. I put links to each of their profiles here in the show notes. So go say what's up. Free Trail Pro members, let me know what you thought about the episode. Drop your feedback in Slack and let's keep the conversation going. A big thank you to our sponsors, Speedland, runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 for 10% off the best trail shoes ever. Gnarly Nutrition, go gnarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off these great nutrition products. HVMN, get 30% off your first subscription of Ketone IQ by visiting hvmn.com forward slash freetrail30. And finally, Rourke Apparel, visit rourke.com, use code freetrail15 for this awesome swag from an awesome company. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Look forward to talking to you again very soon. Love you so much. Bye-bye.